Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Nordic Podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the Nordics to discuss industry passions, challenges and ideas. I'm Charlotte Roberts and I help businesses thrive by connecting with top data freelance talent. And today, I'm your host. So yeah, firstly, I'd just like to say a big thank you to everyone for joining us today. Um, Of course, today we're going to be discussing the importance of emotional intelligence in leadership. But before we go ahead and get started with the questions, I'll just ask everybody to go around and give a quick introduction to themselves. Um, So if Christian, if you'd like to go first, that'd be great. Always putting me on the spot here. Oh, (laughs) Oh. hello, Uh, I'm Chris uh, from H&M Group. Uh, I work in the AI analytics and data domain as a product owner. Uh, Maybe a best way to explain who I am is that I'm a learner at heart. So my favorite quote that I always reference to is when I'm 70 years old, I still want to ask myself, what do I want to do when I grow up? (laughs) And I've changed careers over 10 times, but over this time, the red thread in the entire thing is working with people. I love uh, coaching, helping teams to become a better version of themselves. So that's me. Oh, lovely. Well, thank you very much for that introduction, Chris. And Nian, if you'd like to go next, that'd be great. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my name's Nian. Uh, I'm leading uh, the franchise department within H&M. I've worked with a company for many years, taking on different roles, and uh, most recently been working where we've together with our franchise partners around the world. Um, I love working with people. It's a huge passion. It's uh, I get to do it every single day. Uh, like Christian said, it's... Uh, it's what really motivates many of us as leaders. Other than that, I love traveling and I'm, I'm definitely in the right type of job to do that because uh, my current role enables me to um, travel to many different countries and visit different um, and experience different cultures. So it's uh, I'm in a very uh, lucky position. Nice. Love that. Thank you very much for that introduction. And Sam, last but certainly not least, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Cool. Thank you very much. Yes, my name is Sam. Um, been at Cloud for it'll be nearly seven years now, and I've worked through all kinds of facets of risk, and fraud, and underwriting. Uh, yes, uh, kind of made my career in that very centered space. Uh, most recently, worked in the market expansion division, so you know, leading Cloud into new markets, getting our product out there, trying to win market share against our competitors. Um, so yeah, I always think uh, I've led a few teams. I've been part of many, many more. Um, so I appreciate you inviting me onto the podcast to talk about this. It's been very interesting. We have a lot of insights to share. Uh, outside of work, I'm, I'm much more of a homebody than I guess. Uh, at home, playing board games with my friends, far more casual, but uh, occasionally take a longer trip out when I can. Nice. Thank you very much, Sam, for that introduction. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. We'll jump straight now into the questions then. Um, So just to get us started, um, before we ask individually everybody's questions, um, I'd just like to ask, when you first hear about emotional intelligence and leadership, what is the first word you think about? Um, So I'll go with Christian first. One, one word. I would say leadership and emotional intelligence. I would say understand or listen. I think that's an important trait of a uh, leader with uh, high emotional intelligence. Nice, nice. Sam, what would you say? No, I feel a bit a cop out. I was actually going to say understanding as well. Um, just from the concept of. You know, you understand why you're feeling away, you understand what's caused you to uh, feel this way, you understand how you're being perceived, why others would feel differently to you. 
and so on and so forth. I think everything kind of has a basis in understanding whether it's yourself, the social environments, or the cause. Uh, yeah. So very much Guru Christian. Nice. Good to know that we're all on the same page so far. Yeah. And have you got what would you say? Yeah, it's it's it wasn't the same word, but it's, you know, under a similar meaning, and that would be awareness. Because I think whether it's self awareness or social awareness. Um, whether it's yourself, whether you're a leader or a manager, you, you need to have a high level of awareness. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about different aspects of that today, but I think it's something that I've always um, tried to encourage people I've worked with to have a high level of awareness on who they are, where they stand in, what they want to do, their, their goals. But as a manager, you can't demonstrate empathy if you don't have any level of social awareness. Or um, So it's... Um, uh, it's the first word that comes to mind and it's very much linked to what the guys talked about in terms of understanding yourself. Nice. Yeah, definitely. And to be honest, that leads quite nicely into our first question, which is um, which is your question as well. Um, so given the importance of social awareness or empathy within the four pillars of emotional intelligence, what are some of the best te- techniques you've learned in mastering a high level of emotional intelligence? Um, so if you'd like to give a bit of background behind this question and then I'll open it up to the group. Yeah, it was. I, I thought of this question because it's something that I, I've certainly experienced and I think many different managers will have as well. And the, the aspects that I think about in regards to social awareness often is to do with age or generations. I think we often hear about how millennials behave or Gen X or Z and um, I have my own views on that and but it's also the other part that's connected to it that's often labelled um, is what country you're from or the culture you're from and I've had the opportunity to work in quite a few different countries and work with people of different ages coming from different generations you could say and also are from different countries and I think my experience um has been very much uh, not to judge uh, and to be as open-minded as possible. Uh, I certainly have made the mistake uh, at sometimes using past experience as a way of guiding me in terms of what works. Um, but that may have worked in one country or a certain culture or a group of people or um, someone with a certain level of experience, but it's not always going to be the recipe for the future. So I think as a leader and manager, um, I think having a high level of social awareness is really important in being able to read and understand people. But I think first and foremost, you need to, coming back to the first point about having awareness and being open-minded and having an understanding of people and being able to demonstrate empathy, um, I think it's important. I think the the last point on that is, um, I think that although there are labels, there is truths to you know stereotypes and i think you while you can't be completely open-minded you need to sometimes understand that people do have different uh, opinions and views and um and it can be very testing as a manager i wouldn't say there's necessarily a, a perfect technique in terms of handling this uh, i think it's coming back to being um, very open-minded and listening and asking questions um and what I try to do is to see what the trigger point is, like what's motivating them to behave in a certain way or what's um, triggering them to say something in a certain way or to have that view or opinion. Um, and I think as long as a manager, as you as a manager or leader, you can try to delve into what's motivating that person to behave that way or to speak that way or to communicate or to work in a team in that way then you'll start to grow a better understanding but if you go into these situations with a very closed mind and feel that well I worked with a team before and I must tell you it worked in this way I think it can be very dangerous so um, the self-awareness needs to become before the social awareness for me first and foremost and then once you've built up that expertise I think you can become uh, a much stronger, sort of socially aware and leader or manager. Feel free to jump in. I entirely agree with the, the idea that your self-awareness has to come before the social awareness. I think uh, to me, the, 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 it sounds so simple, but the biggest learning to me um, 
from, I think, when I first became a leader or came into a leadership role to now, is just asking. T- to be honest, I think the, the people I lead have a far better understanding of how they like to be led than I know about them from the get-go. And that's not everything, right? I mean, frankly, it, it sounds harsh, but sometimes people don't know. Other people get it wrong how they how they are led. But it's a far better jumping off point than I believe with you what you said then in terms of, oh, but this is how it worked before or this is how the team operated in my last company or X, Y, and Z. It's completely different. It's a completely different background, different team, different dynamics. So I think biggest skill for me was just asking and being ready to have those. It can be awkward, right? I, I find like it, it can be quite kind of puts people on edge to really discuss how they feel about things or discuss their you know their inner workings. I think some people can be on edge. I think as a leader, it's quite important to be able to stand up to these awkward conversations, be able to drive them in the right direction. If they happen, if they do turn a bit awkward in that sense, um, and then also knowing when to be quiet. I think I, especially in my work environment, I can get very passionate and very like delve into very important topics or exciting topics and I'll my mind then goes at a million miles an hour right and then the person I'm speaking to or trying to lead is left at step one like I've lost them um some people don't right and that's my point is trying to gauge hey would you like me to just brain dump onto you would you like me to take a slow would you like a step by step would you like to talk write down an action plan there's a hundred ways to deal with um leadership or leading a team and the individual's emotional intelligence. Uh, but yeah, no, I actually, uh, again, I know it's more exciting if I disagree, but I completely agree with the idea that the self-awareness comes before the social awareness. There's something that what you said there, Sam, I think asking questions, I think that's such a skill that the more I kind of dig into it, the more I realize what a superpower it can be because I've done this mistake before as well. But you know, when you when you listen to reply rather than listen to understand, you know, someone is sharing something and you're like, oh, I know exactly what you mean. You assume stuff. But uh, when you listen to understand, you, you ask questions, you actually listen to the context, to what the person is saying. And going back to what you said, Nir, like what in terms of the importance of mastering high level of emotional intelligence and my parents are from the Philippines so I'm I have a back like my my upbringing was uh, in an Asian household so having that perspective of mm. uh, knowing that culture I know there are some aspects in terms of how you respect your elders or uh, how you how you treat people and something I use now in in my leadership uh, and it was a period where I, I moved abroad. I, I lived in different cultures as well. And all of these experiences kind of created this empathy where I don't judge or, okay, this person is quiet. Oh, okay. This person doesn't want to talk. I don't do that anymore because I realized that, oh, that's maybe uh, the, the person or the culture they're in. So in terms of I think a, a friend of me, a friend of mine, told me this uh, quote. But she, she said that people can only meet others at the depth of uh, that they've met themselves. So all your experience kind of shapes your emotional intelligence in a way, and something you can. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure you've been in different locations and areas where you can kind of pick pick up stuff. Do you agree with that? Yeah, because I think the experience part is, I find it a tricky thing to talk about sometimes because you become a bit judgmental talking about experience again because as a leader and manager, I, I sometimes refer to it. I say, yeah, but I have this experience and I, I have this. And But experiences is what, what grow you. And I think I use my experiences all the time. It shapes who I am. I refer to it. I use it as, you know, learned from the mistakes. I often say like the the experiences I have weren't necessarily about tasks or projects or opening countries. It was more about real, you know, challenging sometimes experiences with staff that I've had. Um, uh, times where I've really been challenged as a person, you know, how am I going to handle this? Um, 
trying to find a balance between empathy and accountability. Um, and so all of these things, but I think coming back to what you said, even with cultures and um, having travelled to the Philippines and thinking that, oh, well, Southeast Asia, there must be very a lot of similarities between Vietnam and uh, Philippines and Singapore. It, it's just not. And I, But I think what I really valued, particularly working in Southeast Asia there, was just the... the the diversity and the fact that different perspectives can actually make a much better team. Um, and particularly in that part of the world where there are just so many different cultures, I always try to stress that to uh, colleagues of a certain culture and say that, you know, it's you should really appreciate this because probably in your hometown in Europe or in your home, you're not going to get that. And everyone might, might, not saying it's true, but they may have similar experiences and um perspective so i think you should really um engage with that and try to learn from that and you know it's what makes a strong team often you know having those broader and different perspectives so i think it's uh really delving into it and not looking at it as a challenge and more looking at it as an opportunity and uh, to to add on that i know that having diversity is great and having that you know not having uh, a team from just one country is probably easier in the sense of, oh, we understand. Mm. Uh, but in terms of having a diverse team, it can create these frictions because of the culture, because of what you're, uh, how you've worked before. But once you get like through that, that's mm. where the magic happens, where you're like, oh, you have a, you see, we see a house, but we see it from a different perspective. You see it from, from this side, you see it from that side, you know. So that initial uncomfortable, you know, get to know each other is always difficult. But once you get through that, it's it's pure magic. I loved your perspective on, uh, I think you said the hardest challenges and the biggest learnings were never about the, the challenge itself or the, the task. Or it was always about the people behind it. I think that's, I don't know, I really enjoy that. I think it's very true. I think... I was just trying to sit here and think about times at work where I felt stressed or I feel like, yeah, this is my biggest achievement. And I actually think about the work. It wasn't I was doing anything exceptionally difficult or launching anything super brand new. It was the, the most rewarding times where, yeah, we just had this tough challenge and we had to come together as a group and solve for it. And yes, it was stressful and, you know, blood, sweat and tears and, and all that business. But by the end of it, it was, you know, you, yeah, you kind of go through those differences. You see other people's perspective. I think from my side as well, I mean, market expansion. I'm from England, I moved to Sweden, and now I'm launching Klarna in Poland, in France, and it, I mean, you know, I'm not the expert of these markets, right? It's talking to that, to the people from these cultures to give me their expertise, their guidance, and I can, that makes my life very easy. I can take a back seat to this, right? I can, you, you're the expert of so this, it's your culture, it's your lifestyles. Let me know. Nice. Well, we'll move on now to uh, the next question, uh, which was from Sam. Um, so Sam's question is, do you think that there is enough training around emotional intelligence? And if not, what are some easy to implement tasks or sessions to start learning about in this area? So Sam, if you'd like to give a bit of background behind this question and then I'll let everybody else jump in. Yeah, definitely. And to me, it was a case of if I think about interview processes I've been through or if I think of, you know, uh, trainings I've been at with or without work, uh, it's always skill-focused or for myself, I'm an analyst or, you know, with, I speak to engineers, it's always coding challenges. It's never a, a chat or like interviewed for emotional intelligence or it's always the interviewee's job or the interviewer's job to kind of pick up on this and say, yes, uh, I think you are, but then, okay, but what about this interviewer? Like, are they in the position to then make that judgment call? You kind of get this path of going back of, well, where, what, you know, how, how do we measure this? How do we tell if it's good? And if, if, if you did, if you're perceived as not having good emotional intelligence, how, how can you there improve that? Um, what is there to be done? And I, I can't think of, you know, many examples where if I noticed that this was a, you know, something I'd like to work on. Uh, where would I turn to? What could I do to improve that? Whether myself is there a paid course, you know, like on Udemy or anything like this. How, how can I learn to have improved emotional intelligence? 
Um, at least it's not something that's you know as advertised as you, those harder skills. It's a very soft skill, I think. Um, for myself, I think studying psychology at university, I got a good understanding of kind of learning about this and the different kind of personality tests and so on and so forth. It's all quite related, but I'm lucky for that. You know, I'm I'm quite blessed to have done that. Not everyone has gone through that kind of degree. Um, yes, and then and then coming on to what I think we could do about it. I mean maybe even simple as kind of training on how to have these awkward conversations is ask these difficult questions i think the closest thing we perhaps in my position that i've experienced is when you come around to let's say if you're a lead in a leadership position who you're in charge of salaries or promotions and you have to have these difficult conversations i think that's the closest thing to any kind of training that touches on emotional intelligence mm. and it's through one period of the year right or two years however many times you're promoted or it around your positions um and it's more like hey just so you know these tough conversations are going to happen now so brace yourselves it's not met as a thing beforehand as hey this is valued at any other time which i think is interesting and the fact is i i honestly feel that the fact that this podcast even is happening i think it shows that there is a shortage in perhaps people that uh work around it or perhaps people that um can set something in motion for others to learn from yeah, hey, King, today, your thoughts. Well, I, think, I think you've touched on a, a number of different topics. I was also uh, reflecting about recruitment, general training, self-awareness. Yeah, uh, even examples like you talked about in terms of uh, payrolls and dialogue. And like, I think it's like touching on like broad training themes, which, you know, multinationals, big companies have. Like, I think I've been through every form of leadership training and uh i'll be honest i think it, i always reflect after any type of leadership session or training i think look if i got five or ten minutes from that good it might have been a four-hour session but i got something that triggered me to think about myself and i think within h&m like our leadership training isn't very complex to be perfectly honest and a huge focus recently has been going has been put on um, something called everyone as a leader and connected to growth mindset and how that connects to fixed mindset and just trying to get people to think it's not necessarily going for a training course and because i think emotional intelligence is such a a tricky thing to uh, train someone in it, it often is based on experiences so you use case questions like in interviews to uh, ask someone uh, what their level of emotional intelligence is and you can often do 360 sort of surveys to find out the level of someone's emotional intelligence but it's still hard to then with that information say well how do i get that person from here to there and i I think it's very much about the culture that any company creates um if you only have one appraisal or dialogue per year and that's the only time a colleague gets feedback then you're not creating a an environment of emotional intelligence but if you're constantly working with feedback and you create this emotional intelligence sort of culture then i think things become a much more organic and natural um and i think that's when sometimes managers struggle because they feel oh i've not spoken to this person for four months so i need to address this then they become stressed and you don't know how to work with this person or how to ask the right questions so um i think it's there are some broad things that i think companies should do and to engage with people and to talk about but i think it still comes back to kind of what i mentioned about self-awareness and you know employing people into companies who have that high level and like in h&m we've always talked about hiring for personality not for skills and so from the very beginning we try to uh, find people who have that right level of eq over iq it doesn't matter if you're a smartest highly educated person in the world but if you want to bring the right level of eq then maybe you're not the right fit for our company so um yeah it's such an interesting topic this there's a lot of here i want to kind of like pick i heard soft skill i heard like bright environment i i i heard like the the challenges of kind of teaching or going to you know education to to, to learn a soft skill. That's such a hard thing. I've always had a challenge because it's not just certificate. Now I know this, you know, or two day program. I got this now, you know, there is something with soft skill that goes back to, uh, putting it into practice. And 
it's so hard to kind of define, okay, this is what works because it is so fluffy. I've heard that's this word before, you know, it's so fluffy. I can't, it's untangible, you know, mm-hmm. but by that being said, the, the thing with right environment, I think this is kind of where if there's something I want to adopt in every company or every space is the right environment. Because in order to remove the fluffiness or the soft, you need to kind of create a, a, a space or environment where it has structure, you know? Uh, and I always go back to, okay, for me, when, when doing, being emotional intelligent, it is very, you know, just a feeling or uh, something that comes natural. So I try to kind of break it down in order to make it either an exercise, a framework, a process. And, you know, it could be as easy as an exercise that I've uh, inspired managers to do is when you go into uh, our daily standup, don't give answers, only ask questions. That's something that you can kind of learn because then it inspires that person to ask questions rather than just giving solutions and seeing how the the team or the individual kind of react to it is very imp- impactful in my opinion because then you can see that oh, okay I don't always have to get answers for instance um, but going back to what this is I, I would say that in order to create the right environment you need to create a space with a bit of structure to make it uh, more tangible and less fluffy. Do you, mm. do you guys agree with this? I agree with that. I always think just an air of openness and uh, kind of hearing us talk about these examples and with leadership, especially and how like training and, and licenses like this, I think there should be structure, there should be a process, but I think we, I'd like to see less kind of, um, how can I word it? Let's focus on reactive training per se. I mean, if there's someone who potentially wants to be in a leadership role, go and do the leadership training. Who cares if there isn't a role for it? Go and see if you enjoy that part of it. You shouldn't wait until you're in the position to need the training to do the training. It's like it's like waiting until someone's choking to go and do first aid courses. It doesn't really make sense. Maybe it's a bit of an exaggeration. But I point you to go and try this out, right? Go and see if you like it. If you don't like the training, you're probably not going to enjoy the task when it comes down to the actual what. Um, but I mean, it just gives you, again, it's, it's, it's letting people make that own decision for themselves. Maybe they think, ah, no, I, I'm okay. I can wait till, um, you know, I'm in the role and then, you know, follow the more traditional route. Um, but then, like you say, it comes down to having that structure, having that process in place. Um, at the same time, it, it's, it's, I find it very tough because when you have these structures, not everyone's going to fit into that. How do you then tackle for that? And then you get in, I think you get into this whole kind of, ground of well if they don't follow the 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 rules that have been set why should the rules exist and that it, it's very very difficult i don't have an answer i feel i'm just kind of commenting on this but i i, I still i still think you're very much correct right in the sense that there has to be some kind of structure and process towards this and maybe that should bend and uh, for each individual to you know for how they fit into this and with one example like i say being do the training today not tomorrow um yeah a flexible structure i think that's key to have in place okay i i think it's the trouble i think sometimes with emotional intelligence like i'll be honest i've probably a lot of leadership trainers i've been into or facilitated it's actually a phrase that we probably haven't engaged and used enough we talk around it but we don't necessarily talk about what is emotional intelligence and like we talked earlier about like one of these components of a couple of them in terms of self-awareness and social awareness, but the other two being sort of self-management and relationship management is more aspects that can be a bit more meatier, you know, really, real examples, things that you're going to be faced with. Like you talked earlier about dialogue or um, salary discussions, you know, relationship management. How do you deal with these situations? How do you um, and I think there could be um, a lot more focused on this. I think it's it's either that I think companies' perspective is that leadership um, is 
um, has these kind of very structured components in terms of how to grow yourself as a leader and all the stages you have to go to to become a leader of one team or multiple teams. Or, um, and, But I think it's it touching on uh, the emotional intelligence part to bring that in and, and just to have discussions about it and to encourage people to engage in this topic to have conversations because i think it, it is a very difficult thing to train someone in as we said it's a, a soft skill or it's a fluffy skill but just getting people to be in a room to talk about examples and to listen and say wow god that was such an inspiration or like my mantra in life is aspire to inspire and i think it doesn't need to be me inspiring someone else and i try to encourage colleagues i work with to inspire someone else you know something you say or a story you tell will inspire them um, so I think it's um, emotional intelligence, I think, can be trained in various ways, not maybe the traditional um, routes that we've, or to angles or avenues that we've maybe uh, utilized in previous um, ways. It's, it's interesting that you say this because there is, been coaching teams now, and there's always this. Um, when I started out, I had this like vision where I have something that they will love and this will create value for them. And left my first year very disappointed because people didn't really listen or I, I had an own agenda. It comes back to, okay, the question that a senior coach told me was, Chris, you have to understand and empathize on the other side. Yes, you can have a process, you can have another uh, uh, exercise for them, but in the end, what's it for them? And going back to what you said about emotional intelligence and examples, I think to, to kind of add on on that, where if I hear emotional intelligence or empathy, I really want to kind of applic uh, apply this to my daily work. Okay, uh, conflict resolution, or how do I have this tough conversation? These are things that you can really use as, you know, in 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 your daily work, for instance. So I think that was a really great uh, kind of input from your side there. Nice. Well, we'll move on now to um, to Christian's question. Um, so, Christian, you've asked, what advice would you give leaders to improve their emotional intelligence? Would you like to give a bit of background behind that question? And we'll open it up for everyone to discuss on. I think it's always, I, I really sometimes struggle with what first off the definition of uh, emotional intelligence and how how people see this uh how, how people use it so i'm really just curious of nair and sam how what advices you would give uh, leaders in this case uh, but if i if i just oh well, you know what i will i want to hear your point of view first before I share mine because I wanna I really want to hear from you first. I gave this on some thought. Uh I'm thinking about these questions, right? Uh I think it's very easy to kind of go back to my original answer of saying ask questions and, and this and that, but perhaps as a leader it's the to kind of follow my train of thought here, I think as a leader, it's very common that you come into a role, You many leaders are very often ambitious and they want to kind of step into this limelight. I think once you're there, it's time to step out of it, actually, and, you know, push push whoever you are that you're leading forward. Um, give, give the people you're leading the opportunity to fail. Like, give them the opportunity to, like, you, I think what we touched on earlier, right? It's all about experiences. If you're the one leading and you're the one taking all those experiences, People are going to learn from that. So, yeah, there's a lot of fun, exciting things that, you know, maybe you can do best now, but that's a, that's doesn't have anything to do with that anymore, unfortunately. You're now stepped into a leadership role and, you know, you've got to push people in the direction that they want to go in. Um, and that's your 
skill and that's your ability uh, so yeah and when i so I, I guess my advice there was stay out of the limelight but what i really mean by that is make sure that the people you're leading are seeing the opportunities seizing the opportunities and making the most of the opportunities and when i say make the most i don't necessarily mean delivering quickly 100 percent perfect i'm thinking learning from it what mistake you're going to make a mistake that's fine but what does it mean don't uh, go away and beat yourself up about it and then that comes back to i guess it's easy to say right that's another caveat of emotional intelligence to to take these learnings and you know see those failures as um We'll see the shortcomings as as not failures, frankly, as um, learning opportunities. Yeah, like, I think it touches on what we we've discussed, but I still come back to self awareness. I think it's the most important aspect, and I think it's something that you you can have 15, 20, 30 years. You can have many, many different experiences, but you, you will still grow. Um, and I think it's something you're constantly challenged with, whether it's in work or at home and relationships. It can be so you you're exposed to the self awareness part all the time because unless you're a robot, you you're thinking. We all think. Uh, we always reflect, and um, I think we often have to get our ego out of the way. It's something that I need to challenge myself with sometimes and think not what's good for me, but what's good for us, um, and try to really, really understand that other person's perspective even if you think they're wrong you you absolutely think they are wrong they're not right but you've got to just remove yourself from that and think it's not about proving them right it's about understanding them uh, and take the time with that and to, they will appreciate that so much i think those times that you can really show your own self-awareness it's the it's the it's the times that leaders really um step up a level I think in terms of you often if you get feedback as a leader or you hear about uh, someone who's a great leader of course you're going to hear the common traits that this person is driven the visionary but sometimes it's those softer skills that don't get talked about very often particularly in those one-on-one -on -one situations when even if it's a CEO leading you know um, a huge organization sometimes in those one-on-one -on -one uh, situations that's what creates uh, the difference from that company being successful or not. So, um, but I, I bring it back to the ability of someone to um, have the self awareness to remove the the ego from those situations and being able to really engage in with people and um, yeah, try and leave yourself uh, from that situation and try to understand the group um, or the even if it's two people, three people, or a huge group, try to understand what is best for everyone, not best for you. I love that. I didn't want to say before, like Christian, before you jump in, I think that's so true. I think, you know, th those situations where two people, leadership or regardless, they're convinced they're both right, right? <laughs> and there's just a battle link that the best leaders I've seen or the best people or good indicator of a good leader is you're not mad at me and I'm not mad at you, right? What, what we're annoyed at is that the problem we're facing and instead of attacking each other, okay, what can we do? What is the solution to this? We can sit here and bicker all day. And to just bite your tongue, take a step back and just say, mm. okay, you see it this way, I see it this way. What, what's the plan? Mm. Uh, and that's it. No, completely agree. Uh, it's, I, I, I love that and I agree as well. Uh, shame, I really want to disagree, but it's uh, it's hard to not uh, do it. But uh, something that I always think in those moments where you, you just want to say you're you're wrong, you're, you're completely wrong is... Uh, it's not about being right. It's about getting, uh, getting, it, getting it right. And I think that's such a important thing to, to have in the back of your mind because, you know, when you, when you meet someone that says something that is, completely, goes against your values, for instance, the first thing you do is like you judge, mm -hmm. and if you judge this person, you can't really, uh, observe this person without any sort of like, you know, uh, judgment. And if you can't observe, you can't understand this person. So I think it's such a challenging task to have that self-awareness where you have to put in your, your own kind of ego or your own pride aside 
in order to just say, okay, what is this person actually saying? Um, and to kind of go back to my question, the advice I always say to leaders is if you can just see, listen, and understand the person in front of you, that's all you need in a way, you know, and easier said than done. 100% easier said than done, but it's, it's, a it's that, you know, clear for me to just, you know, I, that's how I always try to, when I, when I meet new people, just can I, can I understand where this person is coming from and having that in the back of my mind, you know, is, has really helped me to kind of connect and listen and be self-aware. It's, it's it's not easy, and I think it, at times you you need your own triggers to be able to remind yourself of these techniques. And um, no no person is an, an expert here, and um, yeah, your triggers can be different. Like I I've sometimes talk about leadership um, training plans, like your own leadership kind of business plan. Like, and it's not something many people have, but I, I like I've got a little a simple, very simple one page diagram, which is just a lot of doodles, but like words or phrases or things that I need to remember to remind myself not to do or remind myself to do. Um, like I, I really enjoy some of the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, leadership training things and he always talks about your brain being a muscle and you've got to work out your brain. It's not about how fit your body is, you've got to work on your brain and if you don't then your brain gets tired and you're lazy. So you know it's a little bit like that with um, self-awareness. You've got to kind of train your brain sometimes and take time to step back and reflect and write some stuff down and or listen to a podcast or watch a movie or get inspired in a new way to kind of trigger yourself to kind of go back into work you know, on a Monday with a different point of view to be consistent that's one that's a very important thing I must say and I think a trait that sometimes I could remember working with someone years ago he came back from summer and he was a totally different person and I was just like what who are you? And he clearly had watched too many uh, training uh, manuals or watch, but you know, he's still being consistent. I think it's very important as a leader and manager. I think people don't like it when they suddenly see something new, but um, it doesn't mean that you can't challenge yourself and try to find new ways of addressing um, challenges that you face um, and uh, to improve and be open about that as well. I think it's on like also being sincere, right? It's very easy to come and do or come and be a, a textbook leader or textbook manager because I've read XYZ book and it says this is how I deal with conflict. But <laughs> I, I feel everyone sees through that immediately. Like <laughs> people don't want that. They want a human like to talk to. Like I, I think this is the kind of thing it's, I'll happily speak for myself. I'm like the position I'm in now, it, it's the definition of middle management, right? It's, uh, I'm a leader, but I still have the top down, like things need to happen. And I have to deliver news that sometimes is out of my control. And, I, you know, it's situations where perhaps the person I'm giving the news to will, will get upset at this. And they know, and I know, they're not upset with me. I am the messenger here, but it's still being the human in that situation to actually like listen to them and understand. And yeah, like I'm annoyed too at the, you know, uh, what's going on or, or this that and the other but my, my point is here is is having that human part of it if I just kind of dealt with this like how a textbook should do or how if I were you know reading a book to uh, a success book on how to be you know a top tier manager it, it, it wouldn't come across in the way I wanted to and I don't think anyone benefits from that I'm just jumping through the hoops and it's why I think it's so important to to Everything here is so up in the air and it is fluffy. It is a soft skill that it, it's it's easy to almost kind of go, well, none of it matters, which, which I don't think is true. I think because of that, it kind of all matters, but everything says so much a guideline. It's not, there is no one, one answer fit all kind of situation here. It's just not going to, it's not going to happen. Everyone is unique. The team that someone leads today is going to be night and day to the team they lead tomorrow. And that's fine. I think it's adaptability, it's sincerity. Uh, yeah, completely agree.
Well, we definitely got some time for some more questions and it leads us on quite nicely what we've been discussing about then to another one of Christian's questions, which is what is it that leaders get wrong when they talk about or hear about emotional intelligence? Um, so, Christian, I'll let you lead with this one and then I'll open it up to the group. I think it goes back to what Sam said. You know, there's, uh, again, I've been in this situation where I read a book and I'm like, I know the answer. I know how it works now. It's uh, leading from the back. And then, you know, you start adopting these things. I remember I can take an example. I was planning a kind of a retrospective with my team and I I gave it a month where I was observing and then I was like, okay, I know how they work now. So I took a weekend, did this workshop. I was like, okay, perfect. I know how to design. I know what this person will say. As soon as I come into the workshop to kind of facilitate the team, one, they were late. Two, they wanted to talk about some, something else. And I had this mindset of like, oh, okay, this is, uh, this is not going my way. But what happened was I kind of got upset and just checked out. But in the end of that session, the team said, oh, this was really great. This was valuable. And I was completely in the dark. And I was like, what are you talking about? This was not what I expected to come then to realize, okay, just because I had a vision, the the team, uh, this vision might be like different from, from mine. They can still get value because they have their needs and it doesn't have to be, you know, it's not about me basically. Um, but going back to, to the question, uh, I think it is a mindset rather than a skill to just take, take in and kind of opening this up to both Sam and there that you really have to go into this almost identity shift, uh, in terms of, okay, emotional intelligence. It's not just an add on, but you have to kind of uh, reinvent yourself in a way. Mm. Uh, what do you guys think? Like the thing that I think leaders can get wrong, the word that comes to mind is procrastinating. I think it's um, it's it's a, it's a challenge that comes with the, the. I think we touched on this a little bit with empathy and accountability. Um, because if you're a leader that has really high empathy skills um, and is fully engaged and demonstrates empathy all the time, but if you get submerged in it, it's can be, it can be a killer because it just you drown you drown in it and you spend too much time on it, and then it can slow you down. And then, for example, if you have a very challenging situation with one employee, could be personal reasons, could be work reasons, but you you you're engrossed with them, you're trying to help them. Uh, but the team is looking for you to be accountable and to create that group accountability. And I think that can be a real difficult challenge because you need to at some point uh, separate, you know, empathy with accountability and try to find a way of understanding the group situation, but balancing that with uh, an individual situation. And I think coming back to what we said, when we all think about amazing leaders, it's not often EQ we think about it's more the broader skills this person's driven they're visionary they're a great communicator um that's what people see that's what the results that they create um but in the back um uh, pocket they've got that empathy skill but it's a it's a real challenge and i think something leaders get wrong when they uh they can i think it's, it usually comes with very highly successful leaders more so than weaker leaders but leaders who maybe maybe can um spend too much time thinking about how to work with empathy um but it's um it's something that i think needs to be evaluated and as we know, we'll know empathy is again not a hard skill you you go and read about or learn in a training book the best advice i ever got about empathy years ago was during some security training i don't know why this came up but it was if someone has an accident in your store be careful not to um demonstrate empathy towards that situation like if someone i don't know fell down the stairs in your store and as a manager you would run after them and say oh i'm really really sorry um well you would show sympathy but you don't show empathy because you don't know what it's like to fall down the stairs and it always struck in my mind about understanding what the difference between sympathy and empathy is and making sure at times 
as a manager, you don't over-engross yourself with trying to demonstrate empathy because you've not been in that situation. That's what the definition of empathy is, where you can show sympathy. And I think some people would appreciate that sometimes to hear that, look, I don't know the situation you're going through. Uh, I can try to understand it, but, uh, you know, as a manager, I need to lead a team here. I need you to be involved and try to lead it towards that end goal rather than getting stuck into I really understand the situation you face. I also had this and, you know, telling lies and not really helping that individual matter. So sorry to go on, but it's, a, it's definitely something I feel passionate about in terms of things that we, sometimes we get wrong rather than what we get right. I agree. Having that kind of, it's, it's, a, it's a bias for action. And I think that's not just emotional intelligence. That's across the board for a good leader. It's, it's bias for action in the sense of, it's, it's, I don't actually think it's, meh, don't, I don't think it's that difficult to sit there and you can, ask questions and listen all day but you're a leader in a company or a leader with certain goals to attend to how do we balance those two sides of the the weighing scales um it's very easy to do one it's very hard to do both at the same mm-hmm. time um yeah uh, and i completely yeah i think it's a very fair point when you say okay so you, i can do the best i can at empathizing with you i i think i have an idea of and that's all you're really going to have right is an idea of how that person feels um you may have similar situations they may have been very expressive which is incredibly helpful everyone's going to be that way uh again so what do we do in this professional environment what 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 do we do and some people need as long a time to just rant they are, are we fixing this are we learning about it and that's both are very fine in different situations what do you need right now and what do we need as a group and what do I need as a leader and trying to get all those three different ones aligned within the same time frame yeah that's uh, that's that's the uh, I guess if you solve that then uh, you're covered now that's a real challenge there I'm curious to know because I do struggle with this where I can go into this mindset of oh i really want to understand this person before you know taking action is the focus on your deliverables or the project will that always be more important than the how the 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 empathy part the eq and and this is this is a difficult balancing act because you know you still have a a job and you might piss off someone or you know you can disregard how they're feeling but you still like you said sam need to you need to deliver something so how do you simon nair uh, tackle this balance i can go very simply from my side is that the people come first and that's fine and then we'll work around the deadlines and the, the issues from that side and i i say that in the sense of yeah, the initial question was, will the goals and deliverables always come first? I think no, but at some point they do come first again. And I, and I, I honestly do think it is that simple. You know, people come to us and you kind of wake up and say, yeah, please, Ned. No, but I, I think that they're not diametrically opposed. Like there's the Marine statement, which is, um, I think it's Marines for, no, mission first, Marines always, because... They're not trying to put one on top of the other. They're saying, as a team, as a team of you know Marines, they have to rely on each other to get a mission done. So that's always, but mission first as well. It's kind of like, what are you actually trying to say here? We say it's not about one or the other. Um, and that's, again, coming back to the challenge of uh, being a highly um, charged EQ manager or leader is uh, that it's you can't fall into the trap like we were sh- talking about in terms of over stress and empathy in some situations or the how part over the what part i think there are some that would say you know managers that we've all worked with that would focus on the kpis and the what more so and sometimes they achieve those results but maybe not in the best way and it's not a sustainable uh, result or situation but there's others who focus much more on the how and we never get to the end point uh, they've got a great team everyone's happy but there's no results but it's a blend <laughs> and uh Finding uh, those leaders and managers that can uh, blend all that what and how together it can be, uh, it can be challenging.
Nice. Oh, we've just got time for one quick question now, just before we finish. Um, and I really wanted to end on uh, this one as well because of a, a, a positive one. Um, so what do you think is one biggest positive change you can do to improve emo- emotional intelligence, either as an individual or as a team? So Sam, I'll, I'll send this to you first because uh, you submitted this question. <laughs> Yeah, it's very fair. And I think my idea here was, you know, maybe not everyone has the time to go do a course or the resources to do that. So, you know, what is the one thing I think as a takeaway you can just go and do now? And I'll actually, maybe I'll still learn, to be honest with you, or at least your way of thinking in the terms of work on that self-awareness first. Go and journal, go and write something down, go and reflect on how you feel. I think that's something that you can do for 15 minutes today, like right now. And Perfect. You're on the right. You've made one step on, in, in the right direction and how to become more emotionally intelligent or become a, a better leader, frankly. Um, and again, I, I think I, I don't want to rant and complicate the issue because I think this is so complex. You, you always get that. Um, you know, you get bias in the sense of, ah, I have no idea what's going on, so I won't do anything. So I kind of, I'm, I'm in my head, I'm trying to shut that down and just do that. Go and think about how you feel. Go write something down and reflect on your feelings. 100% agree. I think write, you know, journal, do a leadership development plan, call it what you want, but just do something. Don't do it. There is no excuse for nothing because I think um, you can't, no one, no highly charged EQ manager or leader in the world has ever got there without being self-aware. That's just, I'm sorry, a fact. We, we're not, we're all genetically uh, made up of in different ways, but I, I, I have a hard time believing that anyone became that strongly um, yeah, developed EQ personal manager or leader or, or wife or husband or whoever you can be, but you, you, you've done that through a high level of self-awareness, but just saying that word is not enough. As, as Sam said, you, you need to take some time out and really reflect and think about that and try to... It's also not about to going on a course and expecting at the end of it all that's me done now of I've watched this YouTube video that's it it's just taking little bits and becoming being true to yourself being inspired by others but um, always being um, self-aware and having the purpose and what the the goal of becoming better yeah there's so many names for it like you said I think it's uh, there's so many buzzwords that get thrown around today and all they really are it's the same it's a different recipe for the same thing it's you know it's journaling it's a development plan it's manifestation it's whatever you want to call it it's really all it is is writing down where you want to be or what you're feeling right now and how you want to feel it's all just you know synonyms for the same end goal i mean it is something powerful to just uh, usually one to create awareness you need to kind of just uh put it on paper in a way because once you see it you're like oh i'm feeling this or i'm frustrated or oh, i'm thinking about this um, and to kind of um, add on both you, Sam, and there, I completely agree. Self-awareness is such an important thing. doesn't have to be in different levels, but just saying, like, how am I feeling now from one to five could be just a good start. I, going back to emotional intelligence and leadership, I always think of, in, in this context, the team and trying to create some sort of uh, connection with that. And another uh, word that is thrown out there, but vulnerability, being able to kind of open up and share your frustration, uh, especially as a leader, you don't always have to, you know, be calm and collected. I've had my fair shares of, you know, uh, uh, shared my, my frustration. And what I realize, it creates this, connection and kind of uh, empathy that goes uh, two ways, basically. So I would just say try to connect with your your team. That's always uh, something that will help your emo- emotional intelligence because you'll, you'll kind of realize that they're willing to kind of help you as well. And it's not about, you know, you just being being a servant to them very true nice love that and what a lovely way to end the podcast 
Before we end the podcast, I'd like to say thank you so much to all of our guests for sharing their thoughts in today's conversation. If you are hiring for a new technical role or looking for new roles, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message too. I'm Charlotte Roberts and you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at charlotte.roberts at evolution-nordics.com or visit us at evolutionjobs.com forward slash essay. Thanks again to all our guests and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us next time.